It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Bell breaks a tackle. Bell trying to go all the way. Le'Veon Bell. Touchdown. Big return for Crowder. And he's going to go all the way. Touchdown. 85 yards. Looking downfield. Fires this one. And intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. Welcome to Play Like a Jet. This is day number five of training camp live from Florham Park. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am, of course, joined, as always, to recap training camp by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And, of course, above all that, a very big deal, Chris Nimbley, Mr. Nimbley. I heard we had a little bit of a pregame show at training camp today. Yep, uh, uh, a show is correct. Uh, it was definitely a little pre-practice show. Uh, Greg Williams got got a little excited. I'm not sure what got into him when he decided to go over to greet the fans and give them a, a nice little speech, uh, uh, calling himself crazy and basically just explaining why he's going to be a crazy person and yelling and screaming at players at times. Uh, but the fans absolutely ate it up, and the giant JETS uh, chant erupted as soon as he was done. And 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 those the little uh, group of fans, those sounded louder than MetLife Stadium sound at the time. So the, the fans absolutely ate it up. It, it was interesting. I've never seen a coach come over and, and greet the fans and give them a little speech like that quite before. But it, it was interesting, that's for sure. I feel like somebody, and it should probably be me before somebody beats me to the idea, is going to start printing up shirts that say, we must protect MetLife. Yes, there you go. (laughs) So once the pregame festivities wore off, we got to the actual practice, and there was a bit of a scare early on. Yeah, Brent Quale went down with, uh, it looked like a pretty bad injury. It looked bad as it happened. The players reacted uh, like it wasn't good. Um, they came, they brought the card out for him, put him in an air cast and, you know, he looked disappointed as going off the, the field, players were coming up to him. Um, uh, and you know, it, it looked kind of like you see when a player gets the card brought out for him in an NFL game. Uh, it, it did not look good though. Uh, Gase didn't have any real updates on us, said it was, it was a knee. Uh, that's about the extent of it right now. So we'll have to wait to see what they say tomorrow, but it did not look good at all. Obviously, he's in the backup role, but he is that, basically, he's been at least that sixth uh, offensive lineman, that, that swing guard tackle guy. Um, they can bring him to jumbo sets or be that first backup at either position. So the, the depth was already an issue on the offensive line. Uh, so I, I get the fans being like Brent Quale or whatever, but it, the depth was already an issue, and they just lost their really – they're the number one guy on the depth, at least for right now. Quale wasn't the only scare at practice today, though. Thankfully, the apparent second injury that everybody thought they witnessed was nothing more than a little bit of a cramp. And we're talking, of course, about Le'Veon Bell. Everybody was freaking out that he might be injured. Turns out he's not actually hurt. 
Yeah, Le'Veon participated throughout practice. Towards the end of practice, it was a really hot day out there today again. Towards the end of the practice, he was over on the sidelines getting worked on and massaged. And then you'd see him get up and start uh, running some more and then get back to some more massaging. Uh, So there was a little bit of what's going on over there. But it was one of those things you could kind of tell just by seeing how it was played out. That was most likely cramps. And then after a practice, Gase confirmed that that's indeed what it was. Um, you know, he just talked about the importance of staying hydrated, especially with it being this hot out there. So nothing to be concerned about. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we don't see him at practice tomorrow, but maybe I won't be surprised if we do as well. Uh, but there's nothing to be concerned about, especially, um, you know, he's still working his way back into fo- football shape as good shape he is in there's a difference between working out on your own and out there actually on the field and with a helmet on and everything running around so uh, there's nothing to be concerned about just some cramps that happens while sports can bring us so much joy it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate relax and get decent sleep Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Chris, we've been talking a lot about Brian Poole, the projected starting slot corner for the Jets. First, it was because he came in a little late because of what was listed as an injury, and then it turned out Gase just gave him an extra day. Then he made a really nice play in his first practice, and then today it appears he decided he doesn't really care what the words non-full contact practice mean. Yeah, well, this is the tricky spot for players. I've always kind of wondered this. When you have a day of, uh, you know, full contact practice and pads, and then, then you come out the next day and it's not off, it can be hard to dial it back. Uh, he had another good overall day today, but uh, Jamison Crowder caught a pass and was running, and Brian Poole just absolutely blew him up. Uh, Crowder went down, hopped right back up, spun the football on the ground in a celebration, wasn't bothered at all, and uh, the defensive teammates of Poole came up to – you know, congratulate him, slap him on the helmet, give him daps. After practice, Gates said he he wasn't concerned about it at all. He, he was basically just like, I love it. And people were like, yeah, but it's not actual contact. You're not and like, yeah, it's football. Like, it, he wasn't even slightly bothered by it. He, he's been preaching it. He likes it, the aggressiveness, the toughness. Part of what he likes a lot, he talked about afterwards, was 
just the physical uh, physical nature of a lot of these players, whether it's Winters and Osemele at guard, C.J. Mosley and Jamal Adams on defense, uh, Leonard up front. So, like, that that wasn't going to bother Gates at all. Jamison Crowder wasn't bothered by it. And uh, it, it was, it, it was uh, a little shocking to see because we were just sitting there watching. We didn't expect it, and he just absolutely laid him out. But, again, Crowder popped right back up, spinning the football on the ground like, it, like he wasn't even bothered. Yesterday, we talked about a bounce-back day for Tremaine Johnson. Today, a bounce-back day for the other corner, Daryl Roberts. Yeah, the other uh, – Roberts bounced back, had a nice uh, day, and broke up a few different plays. Uh, nice uh, breaks on the ball to get out and swap balls down. And really, it was a bounce-back day for the entire defense. The entire defense had a much better day today. Uh, they definitely won the day. The last two days, I would give it to the offense. Uh, today, absolutely went to the defense. But Daryl Roberts was out there holding his own today, uh, uh, deflecting passes, uh, breaking up, breaking them up, and not really getting beat at all uh, on any big plays, at least. He gave up a couple catches, of course, but nothing huge. On paper, Jonathan Harrison is slotted to be the starting center for this team, barring some sort of trade or a signing after a training camp cut. Today, though, a lot of the people that have been worried about Jonathan Harrison as the potential starting center got a little bit more ammo for their case because Steve McClendon was not having any of Jonathan Harrison today. Yeah, I'd go ahead and throw that ammo away, though, because it was one play. Now, uh, McClendon absolutely destroyed him on the play. Right at the snap, just blew him up, and then Leonard Williams came right behind him and stopped Le'Veon Bell in the backfield for about a three-yard loss. And, you know, Le'Veon got the ball, and he was being tackled. There was nothing he could do. Uh, McClendon absolutely destroyed uh, Harrison there. But, number one, Let's not forget, Steve McClendon is still a really good football player. He's a really strong physical guy. Uh, he's getting up there in age, but he's still really, really good. And then this was the only place so far of this camp where I can look and, and say, yeah, that was bad, uh, Jonathan Harrison. I'm sure there's been some other stuff that wasn't great. You know, I, I don't have the luxury of being able to see the tape and break it down. And as I've talked about, it's hard to see some of these inside guys. But this was the the one and only player that you could set point to and be like, yeah, that was bad. And every single player is going to have a couple of those uh, throughout the you know, couple weeks of training camp. So if we start seeing more of this happen a lot, then go ahead and be concerned. Uh, right now, as a one-off thing, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. We've talked before, Chris, about how Quinn Williams has advanced football intelligence. So does Jamal Adams, and it sounds like he demonstrated that a lot on the defensive side of the ball today, calling out plays before they actually happen. A little bit of a Tony Romo thing going on with Jamal Adams in training camp. He was everywhere today. He was breaking up all types of passes. He was all over the field, and... uh Adam Gase was visibly annoyed uh, in a good way 
uh, about it afterwards. He was asked, uh, someone asked him, you know, Jamal was all over the place today, and Gase just gave this eye roll, but and then a smile right after it, and he was like, "Yeah," and he was letting me know, <laughs> like because <laughs> Jamal goes right back and forth with them. They have a, they both like to bust on each other, uh, to talk trash with each other, and Jamal everywhere he was going was letting him know, "Hey, I know what you guys are doing here." Uh, you could hear Jamal from the sidelines. We're sitting there on the sidelines. Jamal is going, run, 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 run. And then the Jets run, then the offense runs a, a running play, and there's Jamal ready to blow it up. So he was on, on it today. He seemed to know everything and was all over the place. And Gase has kind of been joking about this the last couple of days about how a lot of the players uh, keep giving him a hard time saying how well they know him from playing him a bunch and they seem to know all the plays and what they're doing. But if that's the case, that's not a good thing. Adam Gase is going to have to switch some things up because there's, there seems to be a little bit too much of that going on. And with what uh, I actually saw with my own eyes and heard with my own ears, that Jamal calling stuff out and getting stuff right, uh, Adam Gase might want to mix things up a little bit and change some things around because I don't care if it's just your own team. If they know you that well, then other teams probably know you pretty well as well. So he's going to have to change some things. Back on the offensive side of the ball, big day for Deontay Burnett. Yeah, Deontay Burnett looked great today. Uh, again, the defense won the day. The one, the one thing I can really say, the one player on offense that stood out the most, um, Ryan Griffin also continues to have a really nice camp, but the one player that stood out the most on offense was Deontay Burnett. He made a couple of really nice catches. He was beating uh, his uh, defensive backs, covering him a lot, getting open, making them plays in the end zone uh, all over the field. He had a really, really impressive day, and they're going to need that. Right now we know that they have a talented top three at the uh, the top of that wide receiver depth chart, but they have very little to no depth. Um, so they're going to need someone like Deontay Burnett to step up, and today he did. They need him to carry that throughout the rest of camp into preseason and the regular season as well. You mentioned Ryan Griffin, so let's talk about him a little bit. Gase rolling out some two tight end sets today and letting Trayvon Wesco, the rookie out of West Virginia, get in with the starters a little bit, some first-team reps for Trayvon Wesco. Yeah, he got some first-team reps, did a couple nice things as well. Gase, after practice, talked about Wesco, what they like about him, and also about how the fact that, you know, they don't have a fullback, that's not something that Gase really uses, but they can still use a player like Wesco and bring him into the backfield and play him as a fullback. Um, you know, he can block, he can uh, catch the ball, he can run good routes, and he said, you know, he mentioned the, the sneaky factor of a player like that who no one's going to really be worried about him when they see him release and run around, but he's faster than you expect and he can make some plays there. But yeah, it, um, Ryan Griffin really since the day he got here, his first practice has looked great. He's looked really, really good. He's got, I've seen him uh, have some nice blocks, but he keeps getting open and he catches everything thrown his way. So uh, obviously Herndon's going to miss those first four days. He's had a pretty solid camp, nothing too crazy overall. But, you know, every time you're just like, oh, I haven't seen Herndon much, there he is right there popping up just so you don't forget about him. 
but Ryan Griffin really right from the jump, very first day he was here, he's picked up uh, and just ran with this opportunity. So for him to be able to come in and, you know, has some experience, uh, I'd say he's got the leg up right now on having that starting tight end position for the first four weeks. Since we mentioned Trayvon Wesco, let's talk about the rest of the rookies. What did you see from them today? Not too much. Quinnen was still on the second team. Uh, he it's, it didn't see him really do too much. Uh, he was out there for sure, and it's not like he was getting uh, blown up or destroyed or anything. But, again, with those interior guys, it can be hard. Um, otherwise, yeah, there wasn't too much. Today was really uh, Trayvon Wesco. Uh, Rick Dortch had a really nice play against Perry Nickerson and uh, one-on-one uh, drills where just they have the quarterback and the wide receiver runs around against the quarterback. And he gave him like a triple move, a triple deep breaking out mighty duck slang here and uh, just just crossed him up. And Perry Nickerson was just kind of stuck and just stuck in the field. It looked like someone dried cement around his feet or something. And Dorch just caught an easy touchdown there. So that was, Outside of Wesco, that was probably the most impressive thing from the, the rookies today. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Last order of business, Chris. We got to check in on Sam Darnold. How do he look overall today? Yeah, Sam looked all right today. It definitely wasn't his best day, but it's not like he was really bad. Now uh, there was some. He had some issues around him. The offensive line definitely got beat today. There's one play down in red zone drills where Jordan Jenkins. He wasn't even going fast. It was like a light jog, and he was still in Darnold's face about uh, half a second after the snap. Um, and Darnold just had to throw it away. Uh, if that was during an actual game, Jordan Jenkins legitimately could have like busted his spleen or something. It could have been really bad. There was obviously some, some type of blown assignment. Um, I, I'm not sure if there was a tight end there, at the, but it was on the left side, so that would have been Kelvin Beecham's or the tight end's responsibility. But So there was a lot of pressure on Darnold. He had to throw a couple passes away. Uh, but he didn't make any huge mistakes. It, it wasn't out there looking bad, but he definitely wasn't carving up the defense like he had been the last couple of days. Let's go inside the locker room now, Chris, and we'll start with the head coach. What did Adam Gase have to say? Yeah, I mean, the the most important things we just talked about, the, the best interaction of it was with when he was talking about Jamal Adams. Um, and then, he, like I said, he talked about Le'Veon Bell and not being worried about that. Uh, just a little bit more about his relationship with Darnold and how they're they're coming along, talking to each other there, uh, how everything going on there. And then uh, he really he talked about Kalichio Assembly was one of the guys who talked a lot uh, talked today too. But he mentioned about how having somebody like him and Brian Winters at guard, he's never been around a team that has two violent physical players at guard like that. And the combination of those two uh, is something that he's really looking forward to and thinks 
that can help this offense, uh, help the identity of this offense. When defensive linemen have to line up against those guys, obviously they, they need both of them to stay healthy. And Brian Winters isn't nearly this, uh, as good of a player as Coletio Semele is when, when he's healthy. But he's physical and he's violent, and that's something that I just really likes. Speaking of Coletio Semele, he was one of three players that spoke in the locker room after practice, the other two being the two inside linebackers that are going to start this season, Avery Williamson and C.J. Mosley. What they have to say? Yeah, the, the main thing that Coletio said that I found interesting because it wasn't about you know anybody on the line. It wasn't about somebody who's going up against the defense. But he was talking about Sam Darnold and Adam Gase and how he's actually watched their relationship and the way that they talk to each other and the way they go back and forth. And that he talked about how it seems like Adam Gase is learning things from Darnold just as much as Darnold is learning things from Gase, uh, how they communicate, how they go over things. So, like, you know, Gase will present something to Sam Darnold, but then Darnold will uh, give him, uh, you know, feedback on it, and that's kind of a collaborative effort. And that was really interesting to hear about. Um, otherwise, he talked a lot more about his weight. He says he wants to play. He's probably at like two nine, uh, 309 right now. He wants to get up to around 315 for his playing weight. Um, and then the other thing he really talked about is uh, C.J. Mosley, going up against C.J. Mosley, about his time with C.J. Mosley in Baltimore and just how much he respects uh, C.J. Mosley. And how much he's looking forward to seeing what he can do with this team and how everywhere C.J. Mosley goes, he makes an impact on the team and the players individually, whether it was out Alabama or at Baltimore, and he fully expects and anticipates he's going to do the same thing here, and he's seen it a little bit so far. Anything that was surprising to you today, Chris? Anything out of the ordinary that you noticed? Uh, just, uh, you know, the, the Greg Williams speech out of the, out of the ordinary for sure. But, uh, otherwise it was, it was a pretty normal day. Nothing too, uh, out of the ordinary here. Uh, again, the, the defense winning is, is a little bit of a surprise today. I'm starting to get used to the offense doing things, which is weird because for the past nine seasons I've covered, it's always the defense winning, but otherwise it was, it was a pretty normal day to see, um, nothing, nothing too out of the ordinary. Any fights or injuries beyond what we talked about with Le'Veon Bell and Brent Quale? There, I, I thought there might be a fight with uh, the Jameson Crowder-Brian Poole thing. Uh, that Again, once I saw Crowder hop up and spin the ball, I was like, all right, this is going to be not, not a problem. And there was, there was almost one thing with Brian Winters there. Um, Brian Winters delivered a, a big block on, on somebody. I couldn't see who it was. I had the back view of the offensive line and, again, the interior position. But he he got out of his stance, gave somebody a two-hand punch right in the chest, knocked him over. Uh, I, and I thought that that might uh, lead to a fight. But uh, whoever whoever it was that got humbled, they just sat there and took that humbling. Um, uh, Gay said Dan, tight end Daniel Brown had gotten injured. Uh, Jeff Allison has an injury, uh, but that's about it right now. And then the other thing, again, with Le'Veon with the cramps. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason.
We should probably touch on this really quickly before we go, but Trent Williams, the former All-Pro and Pro Bowl left tackle for the Washington Redskins, apparently wants out. It's been going on for a while, but we're getting to the breaking point now. He wants a big, fat new contract. It's possible that the Redskins could be looking to trade him. If they do... I would suspect that they would get a little bit more than what Houston got for Dwayne Brown when they traded him. They got a third and a fifth, and the reason they would get more than Houston did is because Houston traded Dwayne Brown halfway into the season, and then he was going to become a free agent. At this point, Trent Williams would give you an entire season. I would assume whoever would trade for him would be willing to work out some sort of contract beforehand, kind of the way that Chicago did with Khalil Mack. Otherwise, I don't know why you would make a major investment in draft picks. However, he is 31 years old, and I know that the Jets are in this win-now window in a sense. I don't mean necessarily this year, but I mean in general the next couple of years because of Donald's rookie contract. I feel that if you really have faith in Joe Douglas's ability to use those draft picks effectively, you probably should err on the side of wanting to keep those high-level picks because you would probably have to give up at least the second rounder to get Trent Williams, and then you have to give him that big contract and he's 31 years old. Don't get me wrong, he's really, really good, but if you believe that Joe Douglas can get you a really good offensive lineman in the first or second round next year, maybe you want to go that route instead because as good as Williams is, a 31-year-old left tackle, the Jets aren't in Super Bowl mode just yet. It might be something you want to do, but it might be something you hesitate a lot more about now than you would have with Mike McCagnin, because obviously with McCagnin, the mentality a lot of the times was, well, he's going to mess up those draft picks anyway, so who cares? Yeah, that's that's always what people would say, and I understood it. Uh, and But right now, we've heard all the raves of reviews about Joe Douglas's ability as an evaluator, uh, but we don't know how he's going to draft. We have no idea, and... Yeah, there's going to be some off good offensive linemen there, but are they going to available? But are they going to be Trent Williams good? And you can make the argument about them not being near Super Bowl contention right now, but still getting somebody to protect Sam Darnold's blindside that seems like a really big deal. And uh, Kelvin Beecham is a fine, nice uh, left tackle. But Trent Williams is much better. Now, again, it's going to depend on the price uh, tag for both what it would uh, cost to trade him, trade for him from Washington, and also what type of contract is he going to want. Obviously, he wants to be paid how much guaranteed uh, money and through how many years are those guarantees going to last. Because like you said, he is 31 years old. But I'm, I'd be willing to pay a little bit of a price to get somebody like him in there because you can get him to solidify that line, and that's going to go a long, long way to helping Sam Darnold. And, yeah, you might only get two or three years out of him, even though you look at somebody like Wentworth, who is still going with the, uh, with the Rams at, what, 37, 38, something like that. So... Maybe he could do that, maybe not. But even if you just get two or three years out of him of the level that he's been playing at these last couple of years, I think that's worth it. And I know everybody wants the corner or, you know, these other flashes. No, go get the offensive lineman. Go, if you're going to make a move like that, that would be the move that I would make. Just to clarify, I'm not necessarily against the move. I just would hesitate depending on what the compensation would be. I also think that now having a general manager who you generally have 
confidence in as far as his ability to evaluate players and then make draft recommendations based on those players and in this case be the one to pull the trigger, I'd be much more likely to want to keep the picks because I would have faith that he'd be able to grab somebody in the first or second round that could be here for a long period of time. But if the price was right, obviously, even though he's 31 years old, Trent Williams still one of the best offensive tackles in the league. And what is the price of having your franchise quarterback on his rookie deal protected by somebody like that? That, of course, is the balancing act that you have to do when you're considering whether or not to try and trade for Trent Williams. I fully expect the Jets to do what they always do, although now with Joe Douglas, we probably won't hear about it the way that we always did with Mike McCagney because for whatever reason, he always had to leak the fact that they tried to trade for such and such player, I guess to make it seem like he was doing something. In this case, if he does call and check on Trent Williams. We probably won't hear about it unless there's some sort of substantive talk about it that goes beyond just, hey, I heard Trent's available. What would it take? Oh, that's too much. All right, click. So we'll see how this works out, but I think Trent Williams right now has the potential to be the Khalil Mack of this training camp season because last year Khalil Mack was the one that got traded before the season started, got that big contract. Williams is a guy who, even though he's a little bit older, could have a similar type of impact for the right team. But the question, of course, becomes, are the Jets close enough to really make a major investment with both money and draft picks? I think it could go both ways. Chris, you made a lot of good points, but there are obviously arguments on the other end of it in terms of the draft picks, the money, and, of course, the age with Trent Williams, who's missed quite a few games over the past couple of years. So we'll see how this shakes out, but he certainly would be a major upgrade to the offense. And to be honest with you, Chris, I'm not sure how they would work it out, but I would much rather kick Beecham over to right tackle and let him play there if they got Williams than start Brandon Shell there and do something else with Beecham. But I guess this is a bridge they'll have to cross if they actually are in position to land Trent Williams. Yeah, I, I'd do the same thing. I'd swing uh, Beecham over to right tackle, and we just talked about the quality going down, and now all of a sudden you can have Shell as your sixth. Uh, offensive lineman, and I'd, I'd feel a lot better about Shell as the sixth offensive lineman than I do about him at right tackle. So, you know, again, and now you give up draft picks for Trent Williams, that makes this team better. You know, how much better? I'm not saying it's automatic playoff team or whatever, but then all of a sudden you're talking about middle round draft pick, you know, teams closer to the 20, so that won't hurt as much. Uh, I, I can't imagine that they'd be giving up a one or anything, but give up a two maybe. Uh, and, and the, only, the only hesitation, the only tricky part of it is the age, and then he has that, some injury issues himself because you definitely wouldn't want that to trade a pick for him, and then he comes here and he ends up getting hurt. So there's some, some things to weigh there, but you know, if Trent Williams was 26 years old, then I'd be I'd be sitting here writing articles every day and screaming and, and yelling on this podcast, go get Trent Williams, go get Trent Williams. I still think they should do it, but it's it's the age thing that's really sitting here saying, okay, I can understand if you're not willing to give up all that for that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'd still do it because, again, priority number one has got to be to protect Arnold. And if you can get somebody that can do that and get him through the season and help him out, help him continue to improve, then I, what? who wouldn't want that? 
If Trent Williams were 26, I would imagine the package would begin at a first rounder plus because the same way that Khalil Mack was an incredibly rare commodity last offseason, a 26-year-old franchise left tackle would have been another unicorn that you could be able to try and get. So it would be a huge package you'd have to put together. As it is, I think that when they finally end up trading him, which I suspect that they're going to do, it's going to be for significantly less than that. But as you said, Chris, a lot of that is going to be because of the age. Because at 31 years old as a left tackle, you have worn down a lot more than you have at 26. I mean, that's just common sense. But we'll wait and see how this plays out, whether or not the Jets end up jumping into the eventual Trent Williams sweepstakes. In the meantime, we are going to have training camp again tomorrow. And Chris, you will be there to cover it for this podcast. And of course, for JetsInsider.com, where you've got your three big takeaways up right now. All right. Yeah, uh, as I speak right now, I have not started writing it yet. I had to go uh, jump in the pool again right after practice and then come back and let you know I'm ready. So I got to start writing it afterwards. But by the time this, this podcast has uh, posted and people are listening to it, I will have my article up there on JetsInsider.com. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at CNimbly and at JetsInsider. Go ahead and follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Follow his deputy editor, Alan Schechter, at Alan underscore S-C-H-E-C-H-T-E-R. Read Chris's very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.